Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life, if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is June the 10th, 2013, and this is episode 1146 of the Survival Podcast. And since it's Monday, you know what we're going to do. This is a listener feedback show. This is where you send me an email, and you put something for Jack in the subject line. So uh, email for Jack, comment for Jack, video for Jack. Article for Jack, question for Jack, subject for Jack, anything like that with, you know, one word followed by four Jack. That gets you special screening to make sure that I see it. It doesn't end up with the spam monster consuming it. And I try to get your emails on the air. A uh, couple things on emails. One thing I've had people doing lately is not even doing for Jack. And I, I don't click these links because a lot of times they end up being, you know, your email is hacked or something. Please don't send me a, a link with no subject. Uh, and just a link and no text whatsoever. It, this is a subject and it says, you know, video for Jack and I recognize your email. I'm probably going to click on it. But if it doesn't even have a subject, uh, it's, uh, it, it's likely that I'm going to wonder if, you know, what, what that's really all about. Um, it would be good if you put in three or four words anyway. Hey, I thought this was cool because, right, or something like that. We'll make it more likely to, uh, to get past my screening. So I know what it's about as I'm going through and doing my screening because there are hundreds of emails a day that I do this with. All right, before I get to your emails, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsor. Sponsor of the day number one today, Backwoods Home Magazine. Uh, I say this every time, but it's because I really enjoy saying it because it's true. And that is that, you know, back when I got out of the Army in 93, One of the first things that I found that really started me on my walk toward, you know, re reclaiming that independence I had as a kid before I went off and gave my life up for three years uh, in service uh, was was Backwoods Home Magazine. I found it at a Barnes Noble bookstore that was uh, walking distance from the apartment I was staying in. I was dead broke at the time, and I would go up there and have a cup of coffee and read a lot of things, including Backwoods Home. Once I got a job and got established, I became a subscriber. I've been a Backwoods Home Magazine subscriber ever since for that long. And now I get to work with people like Jackie Clay and Dave Duffy, uh, which is just awesome. Awesome. Because they're people I've read for years. Masada Yub. I've had, you know, Masada on the phone. I've had Jackie at my panel discussions. It's, it's just incredible to be working with people that you've known from afar for that long. And, uh, they are a great source. If you want self-reliance and homesteading information with a libertarian flair, Backwoods Home Magazine is the only place I know to really get it. Next up today, KnifeKits.com. You know, KnifeKits.com is a place where if you are a master bladesmith, you know what to do with raw materials, and you're looking for exotic stuff to make the coolest knives on the planet, they've got that. But if you're like, I've never made a knife before, and I'm just trying to figure this out, you can go get a kit, a little bit of handle material, maybe a book or a DVD to go along with it. If you're not sure what you need, you can call them up, they'll help you out, and you can get started in the craft of making your own knives and making something cool and custom and unique to yourself. They're a great sponsor, a great supplier. Check them out today, KnifeKits.com. Remember, with Backwoods Home Magazine and KnifeKits.com, do do a discount for the Member Support Brigade. And I got big news for you on the Member Support Brigade today. Sale, yes, a sale on the Member Support Brigade and a good one. Uh, how would you like to get your first year of MSP for $30? Bucks? First year for $30. Bucks. And I'm going to tell you how you do that right now. 
Just use the discount code TSP Summer. Again, the discount code is TSP Summer. T S P S U M M E R. Use that on checkout. It only will work for one year memberships, but it'll give you twenty dollars off your first year. That means your fifty dollar membership becomes a thirty dollar membership for the first year. If you have been a member in the past and your membership has expired, all I'm going to say. Before you do that, check your email. I just emailed something to all expired members today that's kind of a really good deal. So, and it's only for members that have been members in the past and expired. It's a little bit better of a deal than this one. But for everybody else, uh, to get you off the fence, TSP Summer is the discount code. This sale will run, uh, until close of business on Sunday. So Sunday the uh, 16th, this will close. Again, the discount code is TSP Summer. I'm doing this because June is my lowest month of the year for revenue. I'm trying to even things out a little bit. And uh, real quick, just want to remind you uh, what exactly you get as a member of the Survival Podcast uh, Support Brigade. There's discounts to about 40 vendors. I'm going to give you some of them right now. TSP Mint, Safe Castle Royal, Western Botanicals, Alert USA, Old Grouch Military Surplus, USH2, that's, that's Steve Harris's thing, uh, KnifeKits.com, MERS-Radio.com, that's the security radio stuff you've heard me talk about, Survival.com on the DVDs, Ron Hood's DVDs, my good, friend, my good late friend Ron Hood. The Berkey guy gives you discounts on, on stuff. Backwoods Home Magazine, People Powered Machines, uh, 50% off a subscription to Black Belt Magazine, High Mowing Organic Seeds, The Victory Seed Company, SelfSufficientLife.com, The Soil Cube, Camping Survival, Patriotic Items for Sale, Common Sense Prep, BulkAmmo.com, Lenwood Leather, Alert USA, Be Found Alive, uh, ValerieAzanoff.com, Paladin Press, that's a big one, 15% off everything Paladin sells. Uh, Safe and Ready Life, Orion Concepts, Nodec Arms, and Jam Bullion. And there's actually some more because that's just on the sales page that I haven't updated yet. You also get nine ebooks in PDF format. This is $100 worth of value just in ebooks. Um, Planting Trees the Low Cost Easy Way, How to Build Top Bar Beehives, Basics of Sprouting, Building an EPAC Kit, Getting Your Household in Order, Building a Traditional Clay Oven, Building an Aquaponic System, Secrets of Ballistic Striking, and Squanto's Garden. All of those. Are, uh, are, are in your MSB for free. And there's more than that. There's a lot of other information there. There's zip files of every TSP episode. Everything all the way back to one. You can download them in blocks of, I believe it's 25 or 51 or the other. Or it's 24. Blocks of 24 episodes per block. And you can get every episode uh, in nice, convenient zip files. And there's some other bonuses there. So it is a good deal. I talk about it every day. I'm not going to talk about it this in-depth every day this week. Just today, because I'm announcing the sale. I'll just mention the sale for the rest of the week. But if you've been thinking about joining the MSB... This is a good time to do it, man. 30 bucks for your first year. That's a great discount. Hi, folks. Jack Spirico here. Um, I'm putting this little disclaimer into this show. Uh, unfortunately, many of you have probably already heard the show without the disclaimer. I've put out a blog post immediately as soon as I found out. I was really uh, happy with this show. And I am referencing for about the first 25 minutes of the actual body of the show a website that I believe was the Domestic Surveillance Directorate of the National Security Agency. Turns out the website that I'm referencing, and this is a parody site, it's located at nsa.gov1.info. I should have known that. It's done very well. It's done very um, official looking. It does have a disclaimer at the bottom that I didn't notice. 
The sad thing is that what you're about to hear, by and large, is factual information. Just the source itself that's uh, stated as being the NSA itself is, uh, is not actually the NSA itself. I thought about simply removing this episode and posting a disclaimer that it should just basically go away. But we all screw up from time to time. We all make mistakes. And uh, in this case, I did. And this is probably a case where I probably need... Uh, to bring on somebody to review information for me as I get 500 things going on at once and am susceptible to things like this on occasion. But rather than take it away, I thought it was better that I allow it to be here and simply show you that I have the integrity to come back and tell you when I've screwed up. So I've, I've posted a, a, a blog post uh, making this right. Uh, I'm putting this disclaimer into the audio and I will be overriding the file and I will be posting a red letter block letter disclaimer on the show notes for this episode stating the same thing and the same screw up again i'm sorry for that and my bigger concern is that i've done damage not so much to my own credibility because we all screw up from time to time but to the credibility that this is what these jackasses are really doing i will tell you when you hear this it's exactly what i believe they're doing and it's why i was susceptible to something I go in-depth into about today, which is perception bias. Again, I apologize, and now on with the show. With that, I want to get into the main topic of today's show. And, of course, the one that like is burning up my email box right now, the story that everybody's talking about, is this whole issue with the NSA uh, spying on your computer activities and the Verizon phone records. And, you know... I'm going to tell you, I don't think it's just the Verizon phone records. I, I think it's probably all of the cellular carriers, and it's just that they're the ones that got caught. And people are, like, really upset about this and really shocked and really surprised and saying, can you believe this? And the answer is, of course, I can believe this. And I don't do this often, what I'm about to do right now. But there are times when I tell people something, and they really have a hard time accepting what I'm saying. And then... Months and months or years later, it comes out that exactly what I said was happening and happening all along. And a lot of times people don't tend to believe that. And a lot of times it's hard to go back through, you know, a thousand episodes and find the episode that I said it in or the two episodes I said it in. Unless it's something I've talked about a lot, like, you know, being taxed by the mile that with, with cars. That's, that's what I've said so much. People just go, oh, dude, you said that. But this, did Jack tell you that the NSA data center in Utah, was to store information about you, the American citizens, every single American citizen, just because of the size of it, there was no other explanation. Did I tell you that? Well, some of you might remember in September last year, I did a video called uh, WROL or EROL, Excessive Rule of Law or Without Rule of Law, which one's more likely in response to Maine Prepper. And I talked about some contingencies that the United States government had to make sure that they could control us, know what's going on, and exert excessive rule of law in a crisis situation. With everything you've heard this weekend about this NSA scandal, listen to this and tell me if it doesn't put the hackles up on the back of your neck. Again, this was said by me in a video I published not in September, October 1st, 2012. So this is from October 1st, 2012. Prior to the presidential election. Here you go. Just put it to you that way. Let me give you some contingencies that your government has created 
And it, it's all part of what's called continuity of government to make sure when these things fall apart that the government apparatus stays in place. Right now, there are tens of thousands of drones being built to occupy space over U.S. air. These drones can tell the government what you're doing, where you're at, monitor situations that could be weaponized if they wanted to like that. Our government is building a 1 million square foot data center to be overseen by the NSA, the spook organization nobody uh, really even talks about. Everybody talks about the, the CIA and the FBI. Well, the NSA is building a million square foot data center. It is just to hold information. A million square feet is bigger than the United States Capitol building. That information is information about you and me and everybody else in this country. It's not information about what somebody's doing overseas in a cave who supposedly plans to blow us up. Do you know that-, that information is about you and me, not somebody that's overseas in a cave that supposedly plans to blow us up. That information is about you and me. I told you. I said it on the air, too. I know I did. But that was the easiest place I could find it where I remembered being on record with it. It's October 1st. So this guy that they want to hang out to dry, that, uh, that, that's the leak, he's a fall guy. He may have had something to do with it actually getting out, but it's not like this is hard to understand that this is going on. It's just people don't want to admit it. And the president has come out and said, well, we're not doing this, and we're not doing that, and we're not doing this, and we're not really reading your email or anything like that. So I figured I'd cruise over to the NSA Domestic Surveillance Directorate. What the hell is that? The Domestic Surveillance Directorate of the National Security Association uh, is the people that are doing this. What do they have to say about your data? I'm going to read something to you, and it's going to be the second time today that the hackles on your neck are going to go up, especially if you've ever read George Orwell's book, 1984. This is the headline. Now, this is not an article. This is not on a conspiracy theory blog. This isn't on a New York Times. I am on the NSA's own website under the Domestic Surveillance Directorate. I almost can't believe I'm reading this in America today. Your data, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. That's the headline on their own page. Um, Why we collect your data, I'm skipping down a little bit. Under the authority of Homeland Security Presidential Directive 6, guess who signed that, which defines the integration and use of screening information to protect against terrorism, the NSA is authorized to collect and disseminate information about suspected... Excuse me, about suspected foreign and domestic terrorists. In the past, this meant gathering information after a target had been identified. This often led to missed intelligence and lost opportunities. But what if we could collect information in advance before the target was known? What if the mere act of collecting information could result in identification of new targets? What if we could build a national data warehouse containing all available information about every person in the United States? Whoa, 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 let me, God, let me read that to you again. What if we could build a national data warehouse containing all available information about every person in the United States under the authority of the Classified Homeland Security Directive 15, U.S. Strategy and Policy in the War on Terror? We can. (laughs) 
What data we collect? Every day people leave a digital trail of electronic breadcrumbs as they go about their daily routine. Did I mention this is on the NSA's own website? <laughs> they go to work using electronic fare cards, drive through intersections with traffic cameras, walk down the street past security cameras, surf the internet, pay for purchases with credit and debit cards, text or call their friends, and on and on. There is no way to predict in advance what crucial piece of data will be key to revealing a potential plot. The standard operating procedure for the Domestic Surveillance Directorate is to, quote, collect all available information from all available sources all the time, every time, always. Okay, this isn't in the mainstream news. All they had to do was go to the NSA's own website and see what's really going on here. Let me read that again. The standard operating procedure, that's SOP for us military types, we know the acronyms, for their domestic surveillance directorate is to, quote, collect all available information from all available sources all the time, every time, always. For security reasons, it is unrealistic to expect a complete list of information we collect for our national citizen database. In the spirit of openness and transparency, however, here is a partial list. Okay, what I'm going to tell you, What that means is, we can't tell you everything we're collecting, but here's some of the stuff we're collecting. You might wonder what else they could be collecting after you hear this. Internet searches, websites visited, emails sent and received, social media activity, blogging activity, including posts read, written, and commented on, videos watched and or uploaded, photos viewed and or uploaded, means you viewed the photo, that's that, music downloads, what music are you listening to? Mobile phone, GPS location data, where you went. Mobile phone apps downloaded. What apps do you have on your phone? They need to know that. Phone call records. View their patent for how they collect that. Text messages sent and received. Online purchases and auction transactions. Bookstore receipts. Credit card and debit card transactions. Bank statements. Cable television shows watched and recorded. Huh? Maybe Jesse Ventura wasn't crazy when he said that people, they shut down his, his police state episode and deleted it off DVRs. I mean, if they... <laughs> cable television shows watched and recorded. Commuter toll records, your toll records. Parking receipts, electronic bus and subway passes and smart passes. Travel itineraries, border crossings, surveillance cameras. Everywhere you walk that a video might have been taken of you. Medical information, including diagnosis and treatments. But Obamacare doesn't do... Wait a minute, eh, maybe it does. Prescription drug purchases. What prescription medication are you on? Guns and ammunition sales. Wait a minute... They're not supposed to do that. They're supposed to be the Form 4140, and that's supposed to be it. It's supposed to be held by... That's not supposed to be in there, especially the ammunition. Educational records, arrest records. That's like the first one I'm okay with. And driver's license information. This is... This is what the, well, Obama's going, ah, oh, we're not really reading your email, and we're not doing this, and there's all these safety protocols, and gee, I'm going to be a private citizen in three and a half years, and they're going to monitor me, so, so it's not like I don't have a stake in this, and telling us we must accept this, this is just the way it's got to be, <laughs> okay, how we collect your data, yet I'm still on the NSA website, I'm not reading any of the news here, I'm reading the NSA's own website, For information on how we collect your data using our PRISM program, our, visit our surveillance strategy page on this website. For information about our new state-of-the-art surveillance data center, 
Dun, 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 dun. Visit our Utah Data Center information page. I'm going to take you back to what I said. I'm going to do it real quick right here. I just want to say it, and I don't want to do it in real time. I want to do it from October 1st, 2012. Here it goes. Our government is building a 1 million square foot data center to be overseen by the NSA, the spook organization nobody uh, really even talks about. Everybody talks about the, the CIA and the FBI. Well, the NSA is building a million square foot data center. It is just to hold information. A million square feet is bigger than the United States Capitol building. That information is information about you and me and everybody else in this country. It's not information about what somebody's doing overseas in a cave who supposedly plans to blow us up. So what I told you, that data center was for information on you and me, every single thing that we're doing. Um, and I said it was part of continuity of government, didn't I? I'm a little bit further down the page now. Continuity of government, our strong commitment to keeping the nation safe, includes an important role maintaining continuity of government. Since the early 1980s, the federal government has used its secret main core database to track dissidents and watch listed Americans in the event of a national emergency. The roots of the domestic surveillance directorate can in fact be traced back to the early days of this program. We are proud to continue this tradition by sharing our data with modern day COG program. <sighs> Let's go further back up. How we use your data. We treasure the U.S. Constitution and the rights it secures for all people. In a world which privacy has become illusionary, so many areas of our lives, the Domestic Surveillance Directorate maintains the highest standards of integrity and lawful action. Your private data is safely secured using our custom database software called CloudBase, which has fine-grained security to control the access down to the cell level. That means that your data is safe from hackers. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's safe from the government. That means it's safe from hackers. So what might they do with this in the future? Future uses of domestic intelligence data. The Aladdin program seeks to extract intelligence information from high-volume videos uploaded to the Internet. The Babel program is developing agile and robust speech recognition technology that can provide effective search capability for analysts to efficiently process massive amounts of real-world recorded speech. That means when they record your phone calls, yeah, nobody's listening one at a time. Babel will do it for them and flag stuff that they can look at. The Knowledge Discovery and Dissemination KDD program will develop advanced analytic algorithms that can effectively draw inferences across multiple databases to allow the intelligence community to create a visual fusion center enabling analysts to produce actionable intelligence. That means they're going to make sure that all of this data is, 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 is surveilled, that all of it is combed through, even though they say they're not. The Sociocultural Content in Language, SCIL program, will develop novel algorithms, techniques, and technologies to uncover the social actions and characteristics of members of a group, i.e. within discussion forums, online comment sections, and social media by examining the language used in relation to accept acceptable social and cultural norms. Are you being politically incorrect? We'd like to know what you're talking about if you are. If what you're saying isn't in relation to acceptable social and cultural norms, according to the government, the Sociocultural socio Content in Language, or SCIL program, will use an algorithm to find out what you're talking about and flag that. 
The Renard program starts from the premise that real-world characteristics are reflected in virtual-world behavior. The program seeks to identify behavioral indicators in an online virtual world and massively multiplayer online games that are related to real-world characteristics of the users. Attributes, uh, attributes of interest include gender, uh, age, economic status, educational level, occupation, ideology, or worldview, and physical geographic location. In other words, if you're playing a multiplayer game and you're being the bad guy because you think it's fun in a multiplayer game, maybe you really want to be the bad guy. And then it says one more time in red, white, and blue at the bottom with a big old seal of the United States of America, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. And there's more. You can read it all yourself. They show how the citizen data works. All the citizen data is, rec is rec collected. There's a graphic. They put it into the Utah Data Center where it's matched, shared, and stored. And then when it's decided, it's sent forward for operational application, including surveillance and monitoring. That means once they found something they don't like about what you're doing, they can, under the Decide Act, surveil and monitor you, file suspicious activity reports, create a terrorist screening alert, or, under the Patriot Act, detain you, detain you. Now, under the Patriot Act, we can indefinitely detain a U.S. citizen with no charges. And I am on the NSA website reading under operational applications from the Utah Data Center, analyze reference data through the Decide Act, Patriot Act detention. <laughs> you want it to get worse? When you go to this link, I'll put it in the show notes for you, click on Home. Home is not the NSA home. It's the home of the Domestic Surveillance Directorate. That was a, an individual page. On the Home page, I'm going to read this to you. Our mission, collect, process, and store U.S. citizen data for the good of the nation. Our motto, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. Our targets, U.S. citizens... Aliens lawfully admitted for permanent residence. In other words, this entire thing, the NSA data center, all of this stuff together, the Utah data center, this directorate, don't give a shit about foreign terrorists. And they don't even care about illegal aliens. They are only interested in the activities of U.S. citizens and aliens lawfully admitted for permanent residence. Not even people here on a visa. This is on their own website. So I'm not going to go into all the articles and is it who knew what, when, and was it authorized by Congress. I'm going to tell you this is what they're doing because it's what they say they're doing, and I think shit's gone too far. And I think that the American people have been asleep at the switch for a long time in this country. And I think a fire just got lit under their asses. And I've had emails, why is, why is the press turning on Obama with this? It's, I mean, Congress was briefed on this. Congress knew about this. Well, hell. It's on the NSA website. Anybody that wanted to know could have known. I told you in October 1st, a year ago, that this is what they were doing. But nobody wanted to believe it, especially the liberal media. See, there's, we talk about normalcy bias on this show a lot. Well, there's two types of bias. Well, there's lots of types of bias. But there's two types of operational bias that work in the psyche of the individual. There's normalcy bias. And that's the one we talk about all the time. Everything will be okay. But the economy's about to implode. 
Remember 2008, 2009? It's like, and I'm go, I was on the air going, get your money out of the stocks. Get your money out of stocks. Get your money out of stocks. Over and over again. And everybody didn't, nobody wanted to believe it. And this was the biggest telegraphed economic punch in the face that we had for ever. It was so obvious that was coming. So normalcy bias. You're walking down the street and, you know, something feels like you really are in a bad area, but you said, you said, ah, nothing bad happens. Here, next thing you know, you're getting carjacked, mugged, raped, beaten, whatever it is. Because you didn't trust it. That's normalcy bias. Well, there's another type of bias. Perception bias. Perception bias has to do with how you observe the situation. So perception bias could be, in its simplest form, if I had a pencil set up that you walked by every day, but you had never seen a pencil in your life, and from your perception, all you can see is the eraser looking straight on at you so you can't see the pencil at all, and you walked by it every day, and somebody asked you what that object was, you would probably say it's a long pink cylinder or a short pink cylinder. You're not sure, but it's a pink cylinder. That's It looks like it's made out of rubber. And if, you, if they said, do you think that's made out of wood and metal and rubber and lead or graphite, you'd probably say no. Because from your perception, all you can see is the end of the pencil, the pink eraser. That's perception bias. That's the, the fundamental uh, psychological way to understand it. But that translates into, well, that person's like me, so they won't hurt me. That person wears the same kind of clothes I do. They have the same color skin I do. They speak the same language I do. They live in the same type of house I do. They won't hurt me. And nowhere are people more blinded by perception bias in the dichotomy of politics. So the Republicans, in general, I'm talking about the, not the Congress and the I'm talking about the people, the Republican conservatives in this country that believe in the dichotomy and don't think this kind of shit could have happened under Mitt Romney, because it was, uh, yeah, he would have shut it down, sure, um, will then let a lot of things happen by the conservative Republican that they would not let happen under a Democrat, or they wouldn't be silent about. So when Bush put the Patriot Act in and started doing some very specific surveillance of people without a warrant, the people at the Huffington Post went absolutely apeshit. And all the Republicans said, eh, don't worry about it. They're just, you know, it's, it's not really important. It's okay. Now, I, I guarantee you if Bill Clinton had been president at the time of George Bush, if he flipped their, their presidencies around, those same Republicans would have been snapping a gasket and the people over at the Huffington Post would have given it a pass. So all this crap that's been going on under Obama, we know that the mainstream media is left. They're left-leaning, they're Democrat, they're progressives. We know that. And anybody that thinks they're not, you're just not paying attention. Of course they are. And you can say, well, what about Fox News? It's one channel, but the main, especially the AP and all that, okay, so they are left-leaning. So that's why more abuses tend to happen under Democratic presidencies than Republican presidencies, not because Democrats are more evil than Republicans when they get into top political office. They're equally evil, but the media gives them a pass. Due to, well, they're like me. They're for, they're for all these things, these progressive things that to better society. So they're like me. So the media having the, 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 the gate of all this information becomes protective of people like President Obama because of perception bias. They can't, he can't really be that bad. Some things are going to happen in government. Republicans are worse anyway. You know, if we didn't, so that all happens. And then 
Something happens to break your perception bias. You walk by the pencil one day, and somebody picks it up and throws it and hits you in the face with it. No longer is it just a small, pink eraser. Now it is a pencil with a point, and maybe it hits you in the face and sticks in your face. And you go, gee, that's not what I thought it was. So, if you've been recording the phone calls of all American citizens or at least all of those on Verizon, how many members of the press do you think use Verizon phones? If you've been recording every internet search, every website visited, every forum commented in, every picture watched, every video watched, every picture uploaded, every video uploaded, how many members of our press today do you think send emails, visit websites, look at pictures online, look, oh, wait a minute, That would be all of them. So you know what they're all saying? He did this to me. Not just everybody else. They did this to me. They're not like me. I wouldn't do this. And the perception bias is crumbling. And this presidency is in trouble. This presidency is in trouble. And if they try to prosecute the guy that leaked the information... The response should be an impeachment of the President of the United States, which I'm not so sure shouldn't happen immediately anyway. But to bring charges against a person that told the American people the truth about something like this would be a heinous crime against our Constitution. I don't care what you think about the war on terror. To think that it's constitutional for the following information to be collected in the words of the NSA themselves, again, I'm saying this is in their own words, <sighs> the standard operating procedure for the Domestic Surveillance Directorate is to collect all data available information from all available sources, all the time, every time, always. To collect every piece of data on you that's possible, every time, always. Their words, not mine. Included in that, internet searches, websites visited, emails sent and received, social media activity, blogging activity, videos watched, uploaded, photos watched, uploaded, uh, music downloads, mobile phone location data, mobile phone application data, phone call records, text messages sent and received, and I could go through the rest of the list, but do I really need to? If th There is no way in hell that's constitutional. There is no way in hell that this is constitutional. Am I outraged? My outrage is limited because on October 1st, 2012, when people thought I was nuts, again, this is what I said. Our government is building a 1 million square foot data center to be overseen by the NSA, the spook organization nobody uh, really even talks about. Everybody talks about the, the CIA and the FBI. Well, the NSA is building a million square foot data center. It is just to hold information. A million square feet is bigger than the United States Capitol building. That information is information about you and me and everybody else in this country. It's not information about what somebody's doing overseas in a cave who supposedly plans to blow us up. This is a hard thing for the average person to accept, but it's not a new thing, and it's not something that anybody that's been paying attention should really be surprised by, but just maybe it's enough to wake up the sheeple. I just don't think it's, it, it's possible for this ever to go away now. 
I think we're at a point now where states legitimately need to start thinking about securing their borders and preventing the collection of data of their citizens within the borders of their states. And, and, and I think this is a place for states like Texas and Florida and Alabama and any other state that will stand up to say, you know what, you're not going to be doing this anymore. We're going to take control of the infrastructure within our own state. You're not going to spy on our citizens. And I, I think there's a limit to how much can be done there, but I think this is something that only a state can stand up against. I don't think just individuals can stand up against it. What are we going to do? What are you going to do? Put in a, a right-wing suit next time instead of a left-wing suit next time? Do you think that's going to really change things? What are you going to do? Put in more people into the, the Congress that's bought and paid for? On one side than the other, it's a start. I mean, at least it puts, you know, one set of criminals against the other set of criminals. That, that, you know, maybe, maybe the Republicans take the Senate and, and start to chip away at what this guy's done, but only until they're in charge, they're gonna, they'll ramp it right back up and say, hey, you can trust us. We're just like you. Perception bias all over again. We're, we're in a bad state with this. There's no good news here. Except that people know. That's the only saving grace, is that at least we can say now that people now know what's going on. They're aware that this is going on. And this is so in your face, you can't make it go away. And I think it's only a matter of time before somebody in the lamestream media does what I just did and just goes to the NSA's own website. So here's what I'd like to suggest today. Usually I suggest call your Congress clan and tell him, well, you know, that's not, it's not going to go. Here's what I would suggest today. I would like every single member of this audience that would like to participate. Not everybody is being called, but everybody that would like to participate. This is a Sentinels Unite moment. Pick 20 or 30 news and information journalist places today and just send them this link in your thoughts about it. Just send them to the end. You know, it's far worse than we're being told. You can find out yourself right at nsa.gov1.info. All right? I'll just send them the link and say, hey, they're saying they're only collecting certain things and all. You want to know how it really works? Here's their own words. Maybe you guys should do a, a feature story on this. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. And I'm thinking there's no way for the NSA to be pissed at me. They might be, but how can you be pissed at me? I'm on, and if you're a member of the National Security, uh, is, 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 what at NSA, um, if you're a member and you're listening to this broadcast because you think I'm some kind of a threat, I'm no threat, and I'm reading your own information. I'm on your website. I'm reading verbatim. I'm not making anything up. I'm not extrapolating anything else. I'm reading what you say that you're doing with our data. And I'd like you to stop it, please. But I don't think you're going to. I really don't. And I think the only way that this is going to stop is if the American people collectively call for it to stop. And then I'm not even so sure. I'm really not even so sure. And I think we really, really need to think about how we deal with this issue. Again, I'm not surprised. I don't even think this is new. I've known about this for a long time. Just no one believed me. But it's amazing what happens when it's put out in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. All of a sudden, the information that's always there becomes meaningful. And yes, the, pre the president has been turned on by his lapdogs, the press, because their perception bias is broken now.
Every single one of them with a Verizon phone is saying he did it to me. Every single one of them that's ever run an internet search for any kind of, you know, think about if you're in the media. You're probably writing about terrorism frequently. So maybe you're flagged because you looked up something about bomb making. Because you want to know, is it really that easy to find out? So now you're flagged. Do you think they have a special little star next to your name? Says this guy's part of the AP, don't worry about him. Well, they have a star next to your name. They tap 20 or 30 of your phones or something like that. Welcome to America. Again, the homepage of the NSA's Domestic Surveillance Director, it says, Our mission, collect, possess, and store U.S. citizen data for the good of the nation. Our motto, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear, are targets, U.S. citizens, and aliens lawfully admitted for permanent residence. Our partners are fusion centers, federal government, and state and local governments. Our commitment, the men and women of the Domestic Surveillance Directorate, together and individually, act for one thing and one thing alone. We act for the good of the nation. How many crimes in history have been committed by those claiming to be patriots acting for the good of their nation? I'm going to go on to another subject. I know I took up half the show with this today, but this was important, and it was important that you got the other side of the story. Okay, so I actually need to do something completely, totally off-topic and easy and simple and fast to get my mind out of the place that it is right now so I can do a good job for you on the rest of the show. So I'm going to give you a little after-action report that came to me from John uh, about Frank Sharp. Hi, Jack. Had Frank and two instructors drive up to North Dakota this past weekend. I learned of them from your show. I can't tell you how outstanding Frank and the guys were. Instruction was top-notch. Their passion for what they do was obvious. And the whole group had an incredible experience. My wife was the only woman, and she had a blast. She now confidently has my back with pistol and rifle. And we have so many skills we can regularly work on to improve. We will do it again. I cannot recommend them more strongly. I've been a listener since the beginning. and You've inspired much of our lifestyle and homestead. Having Fortress Defense course 300 yards from my house was surreal and another one of those Sanks Jack moments of my life. Thought you'd want to know, John. Yeah, I want to know. Because that's awesome. That's incredible. I've, I've told you guys that if you can't get up to Indiana to train with Frank at his school, that put together a group and he'll come out and do your training on site. This sounds like it was an incredible experience. So that's that's really awesome. And, John, thank you for sharing that. And that does help me feel a little better right now because I know at least this family's ready to defend themselves if they have to. Let's take another one. So we've all heard uh, about... Um, you know, these stupid things where some kid ends up with a toy gun at school or something, and it's usually not like a realistic replica. It's like a, a tiny toy soldier's gun, you know, like a G.I. Joe's gun, uh, where they, they suspended the one kid for that recently. Just, I mean, you gotta be a complete retard. You do. You do. I mean, you just gotta be an idiot to, to, you know, or it's like a pink squirt gun or something like that. A little girl said she was gonna squirt her friends with a squirt gun and they'd call in the frickin' authorities, jackbooted thugs and interrogator. Uh, there's a kid recently that had a cap gun, you know, when he's like, you know, like every little boy had in the 50s and ran around and pretended to be a cowboy. You couldn't mistake it for a real gun unless you were a complete total moron. And he, they interrogated him for two hours till he peed his pants. Well, what if I told you that California is setting up a program so you can bring your toy gun to school? 
You think it's good news? I'm sorry. This one comes from Aaron. Aaron says, wow, just wow. Just when you thought they couldn't get any more ridiculous, I wonder how much tax dollars this little, little initiative costs. And this is on foxnews.com. California school children lined up on Saturday to trade their guns, the toy kind made out of plastic. In exchange for the colorful toy firearms, Stonebridge Elementary School students received books and a chance to win a new bike. Bay News 9 reports. Stowbridge's principal, Charles Hill, said the Castro Valley School held the exchange because he thinks playing with toy guns increases the chance of children using real ones when they grow up. A Haywood police officer was also at the event to teach bicycle and gun safety, and the Alameda County Fire Department had a crew to discuss fire safety. The Silicon Valley Mercury News reports, but at least one gun rights advocate questioned the principal's stance on guns. Quote, Guns are used in crimes, but they are more often used in defensive ways which prevent violent crime from occurring in the first place, end quote, said Yu Chao Chang, a spokesman for the responsible citizens of California. <laughs> They're doing a toy gun buyback at a frickin' high school, and they had a cop there to talk about gun safety. Do you know a great way to teach children gun safety? With toy guns. Let's behave, Johnny, with this toy gun as though it was a real gun. Let's make sure that we don't put the muzzle past anybody. Let's, let's, if we're, you have a little toy rifle, let's pretend we're hunting and teach you how to cross a fence safely. I did that with toy guns with my son as he got a little bit older. I did it with BB guns. Had a very real conversation. Said, hey, this is just a BB gun. If it hits somebody in the eye, I can put their eye out, but otherwise it's going to hurt them. But we have to pretend that this gun could kill somebody. Because this is going to teach you to be safe in the future. But these tools are spent in taxpayer money so kids can win a free bike and get some books in exchange for their colorful guns. Now, here's the thing. They're so stupid, they think these kids are stupid. Do you know what these kids did? Do you, I mean, seriously, do you know what these kids did? They took their broken piece of crap guns that they were going to throw away, and they took them in to get a chance to win a bike. Do you think that the kid that brought that in isn't like, you know, gonna go out and, and, and shoot his buddy with his brand new Nerf gun tomorrow morning? Like he just like, I'm just gonna take all of them in. No! This is how gun buybacks always work. People take useless pieces of shit in and trade them in. You think kids are stupid? Do you think kids are, you gotta understand, right? The kid that has a toy gun has parents that are okay with it in the first place, right? So the parents, when they hear of this, are gonna be outraged, except they're gonna go, wait a minute. Johnny, didn't you, like, that squirt gun we got, you, you were out playing with your buddy with in the pool yesterday? It doesn't work anymore, does it? Yeah, take that in, see if you get a free bike. Bureaucrats are stupid by design. As soon as you become a bureaucrat, your brain begins to crumble inward. It's, it's obvious. This is just more proof. Gun buyback, toy guns from our school children. I have a question for the school in California. How have you possibly enforced your zero policy stance with this? Because it was Saturday. Does that mean it's okay to bring a gun to school on Saturday? Because so I, I guarantee you that this is the same kind of school that if a kid brought in a little G.I. Joe with a little freaking toy military rifle, something smaller than a dog biscuit, couldn't possibly be a gun, they'd be suspended or in trouble under a no-tolerance policy. But when your agenda is there, Mr. Principal, oh, that's okay then. That's okay, Charles Hill. Charles Hill, Ask Clown of the Week. Let's take another one. How about a little bit of good news? It might be might be a good day for a little bit of good news. This comes from uh, Greg, and it's an article in Mother Earth News. 
Two new laws in Colorado make rain catching legal, as though it needs to be done. For years, Natural Home has offered great solutions for catching and reusing rainwater, which is just a, a smart and almost no-brainer thing to do. But in Colorado, where I live, following our great advice would have meant breaking the law until now. For the first time in decades, Coloradoans can legally catch rainwater. Many states in the West, including Utah, Washington, and Colorado, have stringent water right laws that make it illegal for homeowners to catch water runoff that fell from their roofs and gutters. Now, two new laws in Colorado allow residents with private wells to harvest rainwater and will also set up pilot program for larger-scale rain catching. Water rights are a sensitive issue in my state. Colorado doesn't import water from other states, but it is legally required to send water uh, to states downstream, making water a precarious commodity. Previous laws against rainwater collection were enacted to make sure the public didn't infringe on other users' water rights. Some states, such as Arizona and New Mexico, already allow rain catchment. And in Santa Fe, New Mexico, rainwater collecting for new homes and commercial buildings is mandatory. <laughs> Colorado lawmakers were influenced to change the laws by a 2007 study indicating that 97% of precipitation that fell in Douglas County near Denver either evaporated or was used by plants, meaning the rainwater never reached a stream and therefore didn't infringe on other users' water rights. See, a bureaucrat needs a study to understand how rain works. A person with eyeballs doesn't. They can go, gee, look how it works. Now I'm pleased to see my neighbors moving their rain barrels from backyard to the front yard. We're all breathing a little easier. No, we're not doing anything illegal. Is water catch catching legal in your state? Do you use rain catchment systems to conserve water? Tell me about it in the comments section below. Um, this is ridiculous. That we, that we even have to be discussing this. And there's one thing in there that really tells you the truth about government. They want your money. That's the truth. They want your money. And, and what's the one line? Homeowners with private wells. See, if you have your own well and you're pumping your own water out of the ground anyway and you're not buying from the government, you're not buying from a public utility, you're okay if you catch some water in a barrel now. But, but, if you're buying their water, it's still illegal. Even though they figured out, hey, guess what? The way that this stuff gets the water is being wasted. It's er causing erosion. It's it's adding to stormwater drains. It's doing. We we could be catching this and using it, and that would actually make more water available to everybody. But it might cost us some revenue. That's what the government's all about. They want your money, and apparently they want to know everything you're doing in your life, everywhere, every time, no exceptions made, according to the NSA. So it is good news, but it's just a start in the right direction. One thing in defense of Colorado. Um, I think if you went and put a 1,500-gallon cistern in uh, to catch water off the roof of your house, you might have a problem, especially in some areas, especially if you don't have a private well. But I have never heard of a successful prosecution or even attempted prosecution of any Colorado citizen for the possession of a rain barrel. If it's ever happened, I'd like to know about it. And if it happens to anybody without a private well from this point forward, I'd really like to know about it. Because, uh, you know, maybe a good smackdown of some Colorado politicians might be next up for uh, the Sentinels here on TSP. So moving on to another one. This is, uh, this is big news. And it's one of those things you won't hear a lot about in the media until it goes further and it actually starts to actually matter. But it matters right now because it tells us the future. I've been telling you guys more and more about China having the goal of being the most dominant global power player in the world, specifically economically, that they want the position at the head of the table and that they're angling for it in every way possible. 
This comes from Charles. More proof the Chinese are aiming for world dominance. They apparently got permission to build a larger canal through Nicaragua to bypass the Panama Canal and will have significantly larger ships. And it's in theguardian.co.uk. Why is it that the Guardian has to break all the news for America? You know, really, why, why is it always the Guardian that actually tells people what's actually going the hell on? And there's nobody in America, apparently, with the balls that do it that has at least the level of reach the Guardian does. Nicaragua has awarded a Chinese company a 100-year concession to build an alternative to the Panama Canal. In a step that looks to, looks set to have profound geopolitical ramifications, the president of the country's National Assembly, Rene Nuez, announced a $40 billion project which will reinforce Beijing's growing influence on global trade and weaken U.S. dominance over a key shipping route between the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans. The name of the company and other details have yet to be released, but the opposition congressman, Luis Casalias, says the government planned to grant a 100-year lease to the Chinese operator. The National Assembly will debate two bills on the project, including an outline for environmental impact assessment on Friday. Nicaragua's President Daniel Ortega said recently the new channel would be built through the waters of Lake in Nicaragua. The new route will be a higher-capacity alternative to the 99-year-old Panama Canal, which is currently being widened at a cost of $5.2 billion. Last year, the Nicaraguan government noted that the new canal should be able to allow passage for mega-container ships with a deadweight of 250,000 tons. That's more than double the size of vessels that will be able to pass through the Panama Canal after its expansion, it said. According to a bill submitted to Congress last year, Nicaragua's canal will be 22 meters deep and 286 kilometers long. It's 178 miles for those of us here in America. Bigger than the Panama and the Suez in all dimensions. Under the initial plans for the project, the government was expected to be the majority shareholder with the construction taking 10 years and the first ship passing through the canal within six years. It is unclear if this is still the case. Two former Colombian officials recently accused China of influencing the International Court of Justice to secure the territorial waters the Nicaragua needs for the project. And an op-ed piece for the magazine Semena, Nomi Sanin, a former Colombian foreign secretary, and Man Miguel Ceballos, a former vice minister of justice, said a Chinese judge had settled in Nicaragua's favor on a 13-year-old dispute over the 7,500 kilometers, uh, square, square kilometers uh, of sea. They said this took place soon after Nicaraguan officials signed a memorandum of understanding last September with Wang Jing, the chairman of Zuing Telcom and a president of newly established uh, Hong Kong firm, HK Nicaragua Canal Development Investment Company, to build and operate the canal. Nicaragua has now accused Colombia and Costa Rica, which has a claim on territory likely to be used by the new canal, trying to prevent the project from going ahead. So the Chinese want to not just be power players in the redevelopment of the Panama Canal, which they are and have been for a long time, and they pretty much were knocking down the door the second we left. Uh, and I was actually in Panama as we were getting ready to leave and, and turning barracks back over. The barracks I lived in are now condominiums, by the way, in Panama, um, right off Veracruz Beach. And uh, anyway, now they're going to build a bigger canal than the Panama Canal. And that's going to do some things. One, uh, most of the traffic from international trade that goes through the canal, when it, uh, when it comes out the other end of the canal, turns north. Um, the biggest importer is the United States, at least for right now. And everything that leaves the United States to go through there, well, it heads south to the canal. Well, guess what? If you have a globe and you look at it, Nicaragua is north of Panama. So it'll reduce how far the ships have to go to get where they're going. If it's bigger, 
ships will probably move through it quite a bit faster, and you can take bigger ships through it. Um, you, you know, when you do this, you're really competing at every level possible economically. China is a rising tide of economics. They're looking not just for world dominance. They're looking to export large blocks of their population. They, they have too many people in, 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 in their nation. They do. And they want to start sending people as engineers, uh, skilled and unskilled labor all over the world and start extending their dominance, not through a hostile, aggressive uh, military style that we've always feared out of China, but by figuring out that globalization is taking place and the way to win that battle is to just be better at it than everybody else. Again, when I talk about China this way, I'm not saying that their, their system of government is good. I'm not saying that I, I want to go move to Beijing, because I most certainly do not. I'm not saying that I admire the oppressive nature of communist China. What I'm saying is when it comes to playing at the global stage, they're doing almost everything right now. $40 billion dollars? to control a canal bigger than the Suez or Panama that's a better alternative than the Panama Canal. $40 billion for that? If I had $40 billion, I'd buy that. Do you know what that's worth? Do you really understand what that's worth in a global society? They know exactly what they're doing. They're not doing everything perfect, but doing most things right. And the writing's on the wall for the economic future of the United States. We'll be second fiddle, and we're going to be second fiddle soon. This is just another example of that. So last week I told you that, gee, the uh, genetically modified wheat that they stopped working on supposedly years ago had uh, had uh, escaped and was found in an Oregon field, and it had all types of trade repercussions and everything. So Monsanto, who we know we can trust because they always tell the truth not, um, says it might have been sabotage. Listen to this. This is on Bloomberg. The world's largest seed company said experimental wheat engineered to survive Roundup weed killer may have gotten into the Oregon field through accidental or purposeful act. Monsanto and the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which is the enforcement and regulatory arm of Monsanto, the USDA, yeah, they're not on your side, they're, on, they're run by Monsanto, uh, are investigating how genetically modified wheat that hasn't been approved for commercial planting was found growing on an Oregon farm eight years after a nationwide field test ended. Monsanto's genetic analysis found the variety hasn't contaminated the types of seeds planted on the Oregon farm or the wheat seed typically grown in Oregon or Washington State, Chief Technology Officer Rob Farley said today in a call with reporters. So you don't, you can rest easy. They found this genetically modified wheat in Oregon in this one field in this one place, but it didn't contaminate any other wheat. You can trust it because Monsanto said so. Do you know when Monsanto was caught for the PCB leaks that caused unimaginable damage to the people of Manistin, Alabama. And when they lost their case, and the truth finally came out, and the fact was that they lied, do you know that the then CEO of Monsanto said, we did what we had to to protect our shareholders. When they were busted for lying, he basically said we had to do it to protect our shareholders. We lied on purpose. I'm proud of our company. So we can trust these guys, right? Yeah, they have a track record of that. Uh, quote, it seems to be a random isolated occurrence more consistent with the accidental or purposeful mixing of a small amount of seed during planting, harvesting, or during the fallow cycle in an individual field, end quote, Farley said on the call. Asked whether the St. Louis-based company is suggesting the incident could have been an act of sabotage, Farley said, that is certainly one of the options we're looking at, end quote. 
Farrelly said he didn't mean to suggest the farmer who made the discovery is responsible. Okay, you can read the rest of the article if you want to. Okay, but can we not just look at a certain you know, level of facts with this? This seed supposedly hasn't been worked with. It's just been, you know, shit-canned for eight years. Where did it come from by accident? Where did it come from by sabotage? Monsanto said, we're not doing this anymore. We're done with it. It's gone. It's just not right for the market. We're shutting this down. Why does it exist at all? They're freaking liars, folks. They're freaking liars. It might have been an accident. It may very well have been an accident. But what it tells you is they're still working with this. And how far back does this go? Um, this is just... It, 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 it's hard to even understand how far back this wheat thing goes. How about 1978? And how about maybe I didn't even get it right when I said there was no GMO wheat out there. That maybe that it's been out there. And they just didn't call it GMO at the time. And maybe they used some other thing other than direct gene splicing, but it's what you're eating. This is uh, on the blog of Andrea L. Bowers. And uh, it's an article, I'm going to read part of it to you, called The Brain-Gut Connection, Part 3. This is Part 3 of the Brain-Gut Connection series. It's my understanding of the impact of nutrition and genetics in children with special needs, as explained to me in a conversation with Eleanor Silverstein. The Wee Story in 1978. I don't think big people many I don't think many know this story about gluten. In nineteen seventy eight and seventy nine, Eleanor was working in the lab at Cal Poly as she studied towards her degrees. Representatives from Monsanto came in with a special request. Eleanor explained that the plants have a strong idea of personal space. When they start to encroach on each other, they stop bearing fruit in that direction. They need a certain amount of spacing in order for each plant to have the highest possible yield. So there's a huge demand for wheat, and you want to increase the, increase the production of the land. What do you do? Monsanto asked the scientists to make it possible to grow more wheat on each acre of land. The researchers were able to do this by altering the genetics of the wheat enough that it no longer had personal space issues. Plants could interwine and snuggle up to each other, and they would still produce like mad. The scientists warned Monsanto that there were side effects to this alteration, The amount of gluten in each grain was increased to the power of four or five. Listen to this, folks. Not four times. If there were ten units of gluten, it would become ten times ten times ten times ten, or ten thousand units. A huge increase in the amount of gluten in each grain. Monsanto was told there was no way of knowing the impact of this change on the consumer. The whole digestive tract evolved over many, many generations, certainly not just a couple of generations. It would take 1,000 years or way more for that change to happen. Humans would not be able to adapt quickly to this huge change of their food source. Monsanto wasn't concerned. Eleanor was. Eleanor said Monsanto went from producing 5,000 loaves of bread per acre to 50,000 loaves of bread per acre with our help. Ugh. Okay, you can read the rest of the article if you want to. Now, what I'm thinking is this was done through selective breeding. So it was genetic alteration through hybridization, not GMO gene splicing. Because if it is, somebody needs to go to jail. Somebody needs to go to jail. If this was done with true genetic modification, right, rather than hybrid and selective breeding, somebody needs to go to jail now, like yesterday, and like stay there for the rest of their life. Because this was not approved in 78, and we've been told repeatedly by people it never happened. So if nothing else, we've got perjury issues with, with court cases. So somebody, 
some buddies need to be in jail anyway, but they really need to be jailed. So I'm, I'm thinking that's not the case here. But did you get that four to five, the power of four to five? Not four times more gluten. Not there was ten, so now there's forty. There was ten, now there's ten thousand. To the power of four. And you wonder why we have all these hyperimmune reactions today, all this problem with inflammation. You know, the reality, the gluten sensitivity is not really that common, yet more and more people are exhibiting it. People that, you know, whose family, no one in their family had celiacs or anything like that, and all of a sudden, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, all this shit started happening. Now you know why. It's a perfect example of why we should be, if we're going to eat grain, if you're going to eat grain, eat ancient varieties of grain. You don't want the crap that they're producing for you today. You really don't. This is just proof of that. And, you know, I'm sure Monsanto will give you some kind of, you know, thing that will make you feel better about it. But do you want to believe these people? Do you really? I don't. How about we finish up with one more example of a police state where um, the the state itself, lowercase state, like New York, is actually on the track to be more of a police state than even the federal government. Um Warning lands Batavia teacher into hot water. I mean, where do you hear this? A Batavia High School teacher's fans are rallying to support him as he faces possible discipline for advising students of their constitutional rights before taking a school survey on their behavior. They've been collecting signatures for an online petition, passing the word on Facebook, sending letters to the school board, and planning to speak at Tuesday's school board meeting. Students and parents have praised his ability to interest reluctant students in history and current affairs, but John Dryden said he is not, he's not the point. He wants people to focus on the issues he's raised. Whether school officials consider that students could be, could incriminate themselves with their answers to a survey that included questions about drug and alcohol use. Dryden, a social studies teacher, told some of his students April 18th that they had a Fifth Amendment right not to incriminate themselves by answering questions on the survey, which had each student's name printed on it. The survey is part of measuring how students meet social-emotional learning standards set by the state. It is the first year Batavia has administered such a survey. School district officials declined to provide a copy of the survey to the Daily Herald. Why would you want to provide a copy of the survey?! If you have nothing to fear, you have nothing to hide. You have nothing to fear, Batavia School District. Come on, saying the district brought the survey from a private company, Multi Health Systems Inc., and the contents are proprietary business information. They did provide the script teachers were to read to the students before the test. It does not tell students whether participation is mandatory or optional. An April email communication to parents said their children could choose not to take the survey, but they had to notify the district by April 17th. The survey asked about drug and alcohol and tobacco use and emotions, according to Brad Newkirk, chief academic officer. The results were to be reviewed by school officials, including social workers, counselors, and psychologists. The survey was not a diagnostic tube, but a screener to figure out what students might need specific help, Newkirk said. Superintendent Jack Barshinger, who's another person we all today that should be fired, said teacher support for doing the survey grew after several suicides by students in recent years. Students and staff typically said they had no idea those teens were in distress. Quote, we can't help them if we're not aware of their needs, end quote, Barshinger said. The result will also be compared from year to year to see if interversions offered worked, he said. School officials have already reviewed the surveys and have talked to some students about their answers.
day of the survey. Dryden said it was just dumb luck. He learned about the contents. He picked up surveys from his mailbox about 10 minutes before his first class. Seeing students' names on them, unlike past surveys, he started reading the 34 questions. Quote, oh, well, um, somebody needs to remind them they have the ability not to incriminate themselves, and quote, he recalled thinking it was particularly on his mind because his class had recently finished reviewing the Bill of Rights, something that probably won't be reviewed in school soon. And school, that's my little add-on there, <coughs> and the school has a police officer stationed there as a liaison, he pointed out. Barsinger said the results weren't shared with police. Quote, I made a judgment call. There was no time to ask anyone, end quote, Dryden said. If the survey had been handed out a day or two before, he said, we could have talked to an administrator about his concern. Instead, he gave the warning to his first, second, and third block classes. The test was given to all, the test was given to all students during the third block. He suspects it was a teacher who told the little tattletale whiny ass about what Dryden had done and after the other teacher had trouble getting all the students to take the survey. And he, he peed in the Kool-Aid, didn't he? But he had also spoken afterward with administration about the questions. Quote, so I was already on the radar, end quote, he said. Dryden faces having, quote, a letter of remedy, end quote, placed in his employment file. He said this week he is negotiating the matter with district authorities. Only a school board can issue a letter of remedy, which informs teachers their conduct was improper and could have consequences up to dismissal, according to state law. Barshinger declined to speak about Dryden's specific situation. The board will discuss the matter closed session on Tuesday. Any action, however, would have to take place in open session. Dryden mentioned his situation to a former student, Joe Bellarmino. Okay, so you can, you can, you can, you know, read more if you want to. Um, can you believe this? A teacher faces possible dismissal for advising students that they have rights not to incriminate themselves. Get out of New York. If you live in New York, get out of New York. If you live in New York, get the hell out of New York. Go to walkingtofreedom.com, the forum I set up, and find a new home. This state does not deserve the best and brightest people to live there anymore. It is becoming one of the absolute worst places to live in the world from a freedom standpoint. I, I'm telling you, you might be better off living in freaking parts of China than New York today. You really might. This is a disgrace. Um, I don't know if there's much we can do to help this guy. There's no court or anything that we can back or do anything like that. Um, but, you know, maybe you can like his Facebook page or whatever's going on out there. I'll, I'll look into that see if there's something I can have you guys, you know, link to for you guys in regard to it. I'll definitely give you a link to this article. But right now you should have a completely different view of your nation than you've ever had at any time in history. It's time for people to stop allowing this crap to happen. And I'm glad that people are standing up for uh, this Batavia high school teacher. I, I really am. But I'm saddened by the fact that it's even necessary. We're losing our way, America. We're losing our way. What I want to end with is some words of some positive words of hope for you, though. Number one, some of you know this, some of you don't, because I did not put it out publicly on the blog because I was asked not to. Uh, but Jessica Hudson of Sweet Peas Farm is somebody we've helped out before. We raised almost $20,000 for her legal defense fund. And she ended up in a situation where they basically kind of drug their feet right for a couple weeks before the court hearing and then came up with this uh, MAEP something verification uh, issue for her where they needed $800 to get this verification. The verification is a voluntary program, but it provides assurance that certain environmental concerns have been addressed. In other words, you, if you are certified with this stuff, then they can't say, well, you're, maybe you're polluting the groundwater. We don't know. Okay, So she needed about $800 bucks to get this done. I gave her $300 
$100 a day, I found out. And yesterday I sent an email to everybody on the email list saying, hey, could you help out? And we raised the balance of the money she needed in less than two hours. And I got tons of emails from people going, I tried to donate and I couldn't. It's too late. I mean, is there anything I can do? And the answer is no, because Jessica is an honorable woman. And she's not looking for a charity case, as one of you emailed me and said. And I hope I get to meet you someday. And if I do, I might smack you across the eyes with five across the eyes. I really might. Um, I just, ugh. because she's not a charity case, the minute that she had enough money to handle this, she shut down the program and didn't collect another dime. She said, I'm only taking what I need. But you guys rose up twice for this lady, and on June 16th, we'll get the court's decision, and hopefully the court will find on the side of the Hudson family under the Michigan Right to Farm Act. And if they don't, it's going to be a travesty of justice. But we've we fought the good fight there. And the other good news is, as bad as this is, you know what? You still have control over your own life. Build self-sufficiency. Build independence. Do everything that we talk about all the time on this show because that is the only way that we're going to get through some of what's coming. You should be able to start to see what the future looks like, and some parts of it are really dark. But in the end, it's the citizen who makes a decision of how far their country is allowed to go. And citizens that can provide for themselves don't make deals with the devil. And unfortunately, the people in charge are more and more turning into that proverbial devil. And we need to have the citizenry of this country ready to stand up, at least a part of it, stand up and tell them no deal when all this shit comes crashing down because it's gonna and with that this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't seeing our food these days you know it's on our TVs sometimes we forget we are what we eat I don't know the answer there's nothing I can do It's the price we pay I guess we follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way
Yeah.